0: V.C.Y. America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program
1: discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the internet at
2: vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. We do thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today here on V.C.Y. America. Ladies and gentlemen, we have now just completed Two full years of the Biden immigration policies, the impact that has hit this nation is one like never before have we seen in our nation's history. I mean, most of what is transpiring is just being ignored by the national broadcast news media. However, last week, The Washington Times reported that the Homeland Security Department released... Have you heard this, folks? More than 1,100 illegal immigrants with criminal records from its detention facilities in December as it sought to make room for a border surge that never materialized. These are now released into the United States of America. And this week, the Biden administration's Department of Homeland Security is declaring victory over the border crisis. Yes, we've got victory now. Well... We're going to give some analysis of the first two years of the Biden administration's border policy and a look at the current situation. We welcome back Mark Krikorian, a nationally recognized expert on immigration issues, serving as the executive director of Center for Immigration Studies. They're an independent, nonpartisan research organization that examines and critiques the impact of immigration on the United States. He has testified numerous times before Congress and has published articles on many outlets. Mark, welcome back here to Crosstalk.
1: Well, glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: Mark, the last time you were with us, uh, we received a call immediately after the program accusing us of being white supremacists for dealing with this issue uh, due to the statements that were made on the program and in challenging those entering our country illegally. I'm sure that's not the first time you've heard this. How do you respond to that statement?
1: Yeah, that's hokum. I mean, the fact is that what we need is an immigration policy that is neutral as to what country you come from, what your, uh, you know, religion is, all that stuff, but is based on what the United States is in the the interest of the United States, which from our perspective means numbers should be lower. It's not that, uh, you know, we need more people from uh, one country rather than another. What we need is lower levels and judging people individually. Um, and but the fact is, that's not what we have. We have numbers that are enormous now. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can't do a particularly good job of judging people, either vetting them for security or even determining whether they are who they really say they are. So, no, all that uh, name calling stuff is just a distraction from people who want to keep things the way they are now.
2: And just to, to uh, uh, go on record, Center for Immigration mm-hmm. Studies You don't stand in opposition to all immigration for the United States, do you?
1: No. I mean, our motto is uh, fewer immigrants, but a warmer welcome. In other words, we're taking a million immigrants a year legally, and frankly, under this administration, another uh, whole heck of a lot Mm -hmm. uh, illegally, all like five, six, seven hundred thousand a year illegally. Uh, That's just too much. I mean, look, I also personally need to lose weight. I'm not against food. I just need to start eating less of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the same basic concept. Immigration is a federal government program, like farm subsidies or small business loans. And, you know, it needs to be revisited every once in a while to see whether it should be shrunk or increased or changed in some other way. That's all this is about.
2: So let's look at the first two years of the Biden administration. I mean, half the term is now over. And I want to recap what's taken place, what he rescinded, what he has put into place. It really has been a pretty tumultuous two years at the border, the likes we've never seen before. Give us your analysis as we're halfway through the Biden administration and the border policy.
1: The uh, president, when he was running for office, basically promised to undo everything Trump did on immigration. You know, Trump is bad. Immigration policies are bad. So we're going to do whatever he's doing. We're going to do the opposite, Uh, you know. Obviously, a different party comes in, they have different goals. But on immigration, with regard to Trump, it was really kind of pathological. I mean, if Trump had said take a shower every day, a lot of these people would have stopped bathing. And so what happened is, even though they were warned and were aware that if they undid all of these things, they would create a disaster at the border, they kind of whistled past the graveyard, as it were, uh, you know, wishful thinking. They figured, ah, uh, it'll work out. Well, it didn't work out. They undid the Remain in Mexico program, which was people who were applying for asylum can submit their application. If, you know, if they came over illegally or came to a port of entry, but they had to wait on the Mexican side of the line for their hearing date. And the point of that is to remove the incentive for people to make phony asylum claims just so they get let go and they go, you know, go live with their brother-in-law, get an illegal dishwashing job, and, uh, you know, we'll never find them again. So it worked very well. Biden undid that. Um, the, uh, that was the big thing that worked and the big thing that he undid. And so what's happening now is not only are there huge numbers of people coming across the border because they're being let go, into the United States, even though they're illegal, uh, the Biden administration is also paroling people in. And parole is a different thing in immigration than it is in criminal justice. What it means is president can let in, under emergency reasons, small number of people who don't have visas, aren't eligible, but, like, there's a medical emergency. Their mother is going to die and they you know, want to visit them or they're testifying in, co- uh, in a court, something like that. It's supposed to be a narrow, limited thing. This administration has used that tiny little pinhole loophole and blown it open and basically taken over the whole immigration system by letting in hundreds of thousands of people that Congress has not authorized.
2: You know, before, yeah, and before you come in on some other issues, uh, you just wrote a column as well uh, that the Biden administration, uh, you call this the silver bullet uh, to kill off what remains of our immigration system, that projectile being parole power.
1: Right, because Congress, I mean, it's in the law. Congress says, look, there's this whole body of law, the immigration law, that says who gets in. But we give the president this little bit of wiggle room because we can't predict everything. Sometimes there's going to be emergency cases. My favorite one was a Russian cosmonaut years ago was on the space station and returned on our space shuttle. Remember, we had the space shuttle back then. Mm -hmm. And it lands in California. Well, the guy doesn't have a visa to go to California. He took off from Russia. So he was paroled in. So it makes sense. The problem is presidents little by little have been taking that loophole and getting it bigger and bigger. And what Biden has done is basically used that as a rationale to create his own freelance immigration system that has no connection to the law that Congress has established. And it's, it's got to end. I mean, it cannot, it's not sustainable to have a whole body of immigration law and then the president say, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'm just going to let these people in anyway. Um, So yes, that is kind of the silver bullet to destroy the immigration law. But it's not just the border the president made changes. I'm not going to go into detail on everything, but inside the country, the president has also changed the rules. Probably the most important change is that he has prohibited immigration officers, from basically prohibited them from doing their jobs. They're only allowed to take into custody or even investigate people who have serious criminal convictions, um, which is obviously somebody you don't want in the country, but they're not allowed to enforce any other part of immigration law. In fact, this administration released something called a, uh, what is it? the a protected areas policy, where the immigration officers aren't even allowed to do surveillance of people who might be illegal aliens if it's near, you know, a school, a hospital, but then all of this list of other things, any place that might be a parade, any place where there might be children present, any place where the rosary might be said, that's actually in there. You could say the rosary anywhere if you're Catholic. So um, one of our guys, in fact, drew a map with little red lines around all the kinds of places that you couldn't do immigration enforcement, and they just looked at downtown D.C., and there was like a median strip somewhere where they would be allowed to do immigration enforcement. Wow, Essentially, wow. this administration has abolished ICE without doing it in so many words. And that's not only a problem for, inside, for you know, enforcement inside the country, because not only have deportations of non-criminals gone down, deportations even of criminals have gone way down. But it also serves as an additional incentive for people to sneak across the border, because if the Border Patrol is going to let you go and once you're let go, if there's basically no chance anybody's going to come after you, even if you don't apply for asylum or you lose your hearing, then you lose your you know asylum hearing, then it's that much more attractive. It's that much more worth it to take the risk and spend the money to sneak in because if it was harder to do that if it was if you were less likely to be able to get away with it fewer people would do it they've changed the incentives and people you know abroad who want to live here they're not stupid they respond to incentives we've changed the incentives and they're changing their behavior well
2: Mark Rickorian with us here today, executive director of Center for Immigration Studies and looking at the first two years of the Biden administration as it relates to border policy. And Mark's talked about the termination that remain in Mexico policy, uh, the, the mass parole, and uh, that's been e- expanded the uh, non-enforcement policies. I understand also that, that, that there are rather than detaining people, these come up with some alternatives for that too.
1: Right, exactly. Um. The, Law says, the immigration law just says explicitly, you don't need to be a lawyer to read it. It's just a regular sentence. It says anybody who is caught illegally crossing the border is required to be held in detention until his case is resolved one way or the other. Either he gets a deportation order and is sent home, or he gets to stay and you give him your his green card or whatever, and then you know wave goodbye and you do whatever you want. But this administration is not only letting huge numbers of people go, they're saying, well, they're complying with that mandate because even though they're not actually holding them in detention, they're doing what's called alternatives to detention, like an ankle bracelet and other things like that. You know, there there are different ways of doing it. Sometimes they have to call in every week. Uh, Various things like this, they don't work particularly well. They work a little bit, Right away, like in the first few weeks or so, and that's the statistics that the supporters tout. But the longer it goes on, the more likely it is people are just going to either cut off the ankle bracelet or just drift off and move somewhere else and nobody's looking for them. So even these, so what they call in the business, they call it alternatives to detention, ATD. Basically what it is, is letting people go. Only with a little bit of a fig leaf that eventually, even the fig leaf disappears.
2: Is there anybody challenging challenging this in the in the judicial system?
1: Uh, some of the things, yes. Um, alternatives to detention—they're um, really not being challenged uh, because I mean, they are, Administrations have always done something like that, but again, this administration has taken it like dialed it up to eleven, as they say, mm-hmm. and basically mm-hmm. using these so-called alternatives. As a way to not detain anybody because they just don't believe it's right to detain illegal aliens, they think they have a right not to be detained. I mean it really is' radical. some of the other things are being challenged. the parole policies are being challenged, um, the end of remain in Mexico is being challenged so so yes, but on this detention thing specifically, um, uh, there as far as I know there aren't any uh, legal challenges
2: yet. We're going to take a quick break here on Crosstalk. Mark Krikorian is our guest today, and we're looking at the impact of the Biden immigration policies, uh, what has transpired over these first two years, and uh, where things are at even today, some of the recent matters that have unfolded. We'll be back in just one moment. Uh, You're listening to Crosstalk here on the VCY American Network.
3: to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation seminar speaker with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, where do comets come from?
1: Chris, the short-period comets, like Halley's comet, can make only a few trips around the sun before they completely disintegrate. Yet there are a number of short-period comets. Obviously, to support a billions-of-years-old solar system, evolutionists need an inexhaustible supply of
3: short-period comets. Thus, they had proposed a belt of comets called the Kuiper Belt orbiting the Sun near Neptune. They had no evidence of such a zone of comets, but figured it must be there to salvage their theory. Well, now we have the telescopes and spacecraft able to search this
1: zone, and we found less than 4% of what they need. Thus, this dreamland of comets needed to salvage Big Bang ideas has been disproved. What hasn't been disproved is the creation story. That's the one that's given back in Genesis.
3: For more on creation, visit our website at www.icr.org.
2: Listening to Crosstalk on VCY America, we're talking today with Mark Krikorian for the Center for Immigration Studies uh, about the impact of the Biden immigration policies, covering a number of issues already and uh, also looking at some of the current matters going on across this nation uh, Mark, we we've talked about uh, several items already. We could uh, every one of these we could spend many, many minutes on. But let's take a look at something else that happened under the Biden administration for the first couple of years. And that is benefits, a benefits program for being here illegally. Tell us about the immigration benefits.
1: Right. Um, in the immigration business, immigration benefits doesn't mean a check. It means some kind of status that you get, a card or whatever it is or or whatever that, that issue that the the issue of dealing with your immigration status. And the fact is this administration has, again, lowered the bar and given out statuses to people who shouldn't be getting it. Just a couple of things. There was a rule that the Trump administration put into effect based on a law from the 90s that nobody ever bothered with. The point of which is that people who get green cards are, are not supposed to get them if they're likely to become what in the law is called a public charge. In other words, live off the taxpayer. That's a very old principle way back in the 1600s. You know, the point is you're supposed to be able to carry your own weight. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the Trump administration issued this extensive rule that went through, totted all the high I's, jumped you know, across all the T's, jumped through all the hoops that you're supposed to do bureaucratically to tighten that up a little bit. Not a lot. There are things they could have done to make it harder to get a green card if you used welfare, but they defined... Various terms and various requirements. Anyway, the whole point of it is this administration just threw that whole thing away. And basically now you are considered self-supporting for purposes of becoming an immigrant so long as you don't get any cash welfare. You can be on food stamps. You be on Medicaid, get, live in public housing, and have the schools feed your children for free. And you're considered self-supporting for purposes of getting green card. It's my, ridiculous. My. Um, another thing is there's this provision in the law, which is it's there. It's legal. It's called temporary protected status. Now, it's the government calling something temporary. So guess how temporary it really is. Yeah, yeah. The, the point of it is to so when somebody's here, almost always illegally, but maybe if they're a student or something and something terrible happens at home, uh, earthquake, whatever it is, they can get temporary status for like 18 months to uh Because it's not safe to send them home. Okay, the problem is, everyone who's ever gotten this just has the thing renewed by the president, whatever president is. they just renew it over and over and over again. And this administration, not only have they done these, you know, renewal of everything, even when the original conditions have passed, we have people who have from Central America who got this temporary status and has a work permit, goes along with it, uh, 20 years ago, because of an earthquake, well, the earthquake was 20 years ago. You know, that's not temporary anymore if they're still here. This administration is now giving it to more and more countries. Um, and there's even calls in Congress to give it to, I don't know, Mali, I think, in Africa, Mauritania, basically any country where things aren't really great, they want to just let every illegal alien from that country stay and get a work permit. It's absurd. And it's part of this administration's broader perspective that... We do, we as the American people do not have the moral right to keep anyone out who wants to move here. They actually believe that, um, you know, they'll have a border patrol that drives around. So people think that there's still a border, but they do not believe it is morally defensible to say, no, you know, we have rules and you're, you don't come under those rules. And so you can't come in. They think it's like Jim Crow and they see themselves as heroes for subverting the immigration law. That's a very difficult thing to overcome, and it's very different even from what we saw in the Obama administration, let alone other earlier administrations.
2: One other issue here before we look at some of the current matters going on as well. Uh, make a comment, if you would, on the, uh, the border wall uh, since the transition took place and what we've seen happen there in the last two years.
1: The... Um, The president came in or he campaigned saying that under under, you know, the Biden administration, not one inch of border wall would be more border wall would be built. Some of the more enthusiastic supporters wanted to tear down the border wall that existed, but they weren't quite that stupid in the campaign. And they, they didn't mention that part. So when he took over literally on inauguration day two years ago, he basically told the construction crews, put down your tools and step away. So what that meant is there are all these gaps in the fence and have been for two years, people streaming through them. Um, in a few instances in Arizona and then in Texas, the governors there said, look, if you're not going to fill the gaps, we're just going to do it ourselves. So they schlepped out uh, shipping containers, you know, the kind of things you see on ships in the back of the trucks and stacked them up too high uh, and um, put barbed wire on top in these gaps. The holes in the fence sometimes are like 10, 20, 30 feet wide. It's not, you know, I mean, these are, these are gaps, in, uh, obvious gaps in the fence. The administration said last summer, oh, okay, well, we're going to fill some of the gaps. Um, and they still haven't, it's not clear they've gotten around to it yet. In Arizona, they sued the state and made them take the shipping containers out so that the gaps were opened up again in the fence saying that they're going to plug them, uh, sometime, maybe they're doing it now. I don't know. I'm actually going to go out to Arizona next week and check it out. Um, but the fact is, you know, fences work. They're not perfect. They're not silver bullets. They're a tool, but if you're going to build it, build it. These guys have made it into an ideological thing that they reject fencing in principle, uh, and that's just that's no way to run a railroad. It's a tool. You don't reject Jeeps. You don't reject flashlights and radios. Border Patrol uses those. It's You can't just say no to fencing. It works some places. It doesn't work others. You approach it as a practical question. These guys just cannot do that.
2: We're speaking with Mark Krikorian from the Center for Immigration Studies. Their website is CIS.org. CIS.org. And, uh, friends, you'll stay informed as to what's happening at our borders uh, by, 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 you know, getting on their site and uh, reading their stories, their coverage of so many issues. Uh, so, Mark, we recently learned that in December, more than 1,100 illegal immigrants with criminal records were released from detention facilities. I said it released 515 migrants with criminal convictions, 641 facing active criminal charges. What's this all about?
1: Uh, the, they expected Title 42 to end in December. Title 42 is the shorthand term for these rules that are public health related, COVID era, that allowed the Border Patrol to bounce back out of the country into Mexico, any illegal alien they caught. No hearings, no asylum, no nothing, just see you later. And the point was, you know, limit the exposure of Border Patrol people to people who might be infected, not have detention centers full of people breathing all over each other. That was the theory behind it. Well, I mean, the pandemic's over at this point. Even, the, even this administration acknowledges it. They've been pushing to end Title 42. And um, it was expected to end December 20th, uh, and or it was 27th, anyway, in December. And the Supreme Court ended up at the last minute putting it on hold until they could have a hearing on it, which is scheduled for beginning of March. Um, But in anticipation of that, they figured, oh, my God, there's going to be this huge increase in illegals crossing because we're not going to be able to just bounce them back across the border. We're going to end up letting them go. So they said, we got to empty out the few people we do have in detention. And they don't like detention, but there were some people in detention. So we can hold, you know, some bad guys if we find them. So they let all these criminals out. And then Title 42 wasn't ended. It's still, you know, at least partly in effect. And so what they did is they ended up releasing hundreds and hundreds of people who were criminals. Uh, You know, they finished their sentences or maybe they uh, didn't actually um, get tried and the jurisdictions handed them over to ICE just to get rid of them. But now they're, you know, living in the United States again. Apparently, it's not a big deal, at least not to this administration. Instead of going and finding them again, um, they're, uh, you know, it's kind of like shrugging. Oh, well, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine.
2: My, my. So this, (laughs) what we've seen take place, I mean, just recently, the Biden administration is, in essence, running a, a victory lap saying, hey, the border crisis has been fixed. How can they be running a victory lab? What, what, what are they seeing as being a victory?
1: Well, there was a new policy they announced. Uh, this was as part of the president's recent trip to El Paso. If you remember, they followed the news. He you know, went to the yep. border and yep. talked with border agents, and it's all, it's all just theater. You know, it's PR. Mm-hmm. But one of the things they announced was that uh, illegal aliens from four countries, Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Haiti, who were not subject to Title 42, so they were not bounced back across the border, were now going to be bounced back across the border, Um, and that was the stick, as it were. And the carrot was people from those three, four countries could apply to be paroled into the country, which is illegal, as I mentioned, but the point is that was the thinking. Carrot and stick. Here's the carrot. You can apply legally, and I put legally in quotes, uh, so don't cross illegally, and if you do, we're going to send you back. So that actually did result in a reduction in numbers from those countries. Uh, like this is the January border arrest numbers are gonna be lower than they were in December. There's just no question about it. It's still way higher than it was under Trump, way higher. But it's you know, it's gonna be lower and they're they already touting that, saying, Haha, look, mission accomplished, <laughs> spike the football, we've solved the problem, it isn't solved. And they're going to kind of regret having spiked the football because the numbers are going to go back up. And it's just, it's, they don't know what to do. One of the other pieces, uh, one of our analysts, top analysts wrote, Andrew Arthur recently uh, on CIS.org uh, refers to it as whack-a-mole. You know, the game where the, 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 yeah. the, 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 the mole pops up and you're supposed to keep trying to decide which hole he's going to come out of and whack him. Well, You know, the Central Americans were coming, and so they came up with supposedly a policy to deal with that. Now the Cubans and Haitians and others are coming, and they've got a different policy for that. What are they going to do next? Because there's other groups of 190 other countries in the world, and some of them are starting to send more and more people. There's a lot more Ecuadorians and Colombians, even Turks and Indians from India coming. Big increases um, in December over the previous December. Are they going to, you know... Keep, again, like whack-a-mole, keep responding to each one. The reason this is happening is not because of something in these countries that's pushing people. although so, well, that's part of it. But the reason it's happening now, the reason all these people are coming, is because this administration has essentially invited illegal immigration by making it increasing the odds that they'll get in, and if they get in, they'll be let go and won't be bothered. And so people are responding and you can keep doing whack-a-mole for every new country that uh, sends more and more illegals. But the real solution would be just to change enforce, not change, but actually enforce the immigration law. And then you'll just have fewer people from everywhere.
2: Friends, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Mark Rikorian is our guest today from the Center for Immigration Studies. Again, their website, CIS. Dot org, standing for Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. Uh, we're going to uh, take a quick break here, and uh, when we come back, we're going to be looking at, uh, yes, uh, the announcement of impeachment charges against the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. We're going to also take a look at a visit that the mayor of New York City made to the border and some of the reactions to what's happening in New York City at this time. And what about this border czar that's just been appointed by Governor Abbott of Texas? So we have more to unpack when we come back. This is Crosstalk on VCY America.
3: In Matthew chapters 24 and 25, Jesus gave His disciples a profound, detailed description of what would happen prior to His second coming. He then urged them to watch, because you do not know what hour your Lord will come. So what are we to watch for? In the book, Foreshadows, author Steve Miller explores 12 major trends that point toward the return of Christ. He writes about trends toward a one-world government the struggle to build a united European empire, the spread of all-invasive technology and surveillance, the progression to a one-world economy, and the proliferation of deception and more. Foreshadows will open your eyes to recognize the signs pointing to the end times while inspiring you to take hope in the knowledge God holds our world firmly in His control. The book, Foreshadows, is available for a donation of $12 or more by calling one 800 Seven two 9829
2: You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America Mark Recorian is with us today from the Center for Immigration Studies and much taking place uh, even within just recent days I mean daily there are things happening as it pertains to our border news and information but yesterday on a Fox News show Mark, uh, Congressman Andy Biggs, Arizona, he announced that he would bring impeachment proceedings against the Department of Homeland Sec- uh, Security Secretary Mayorkas over the border issue. What's your reaction to that?
1: Oh, I mean, it's, uh, there's no question that he richly warrants removal from office. I mean, it is uh, outrageous the way he's conducted himself. He's ignored the law. He's lied to Congress. Um, now, and even... Um, Kevin Speaker McCarthy uh, bef- had said that they were going to study it, have hearings, and, you know, if they weren't satisfied, pursue impeachment. Now, um, we'll see if it happens. Uh, the Speaker does need to tread, do this methodically, because he only has a tiny majority. Uh, there's only five-seat majority. None of the Democrats are going to vote for impeachment. And, you know, he's going to have to, um, I think, make a deliberate case, lay it out in hearings, and frankly, in the court of public opinion too, in order to get some of the uh softer Republicans to go along because you don't want to bring a vote for impeachment up and then it fails politically that's a mistake that would just strengthen my orcus so um it could happen I think it will happen, and clearly the uh the um, initial work, like laying the foundation for the case to impeach him, is what you're going to see over the next several months in hearings. Whether it's going to happen, I don't know. There's zero chance that if he were impeached by the House, the Senate would vote to remove him from office, because it's always a two-part process. The House does kind of what amounts to an indictment. That's mm-hmm. what the impeachment is. And then the Senate has a trial, and there has to be a two-thirds vote to remove the person from office and there's no chance that's going to happen. But even knowing that I still think it's worth doing this just to force the, um, legacy media to cover how outrageous my yeah. conduct has been. And frankly, he's not a very sympathetic character on TV. Um, you know, he's kind of smug and humorless and condescending. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I think they could, this is a political matter. Impeachment is always a political question. And I think if they handle it carefully and methodically, they can, um, you know, do some policy good by alerting people to what's happening. And, you know, also, I mean, they're politicians, so they can also do some political harm to the administration, which is obviously what opposition parties always going to want to do.
2: Uh, Let's talk about uh, Mayor Eric Adams of New York City. Uh, He had a recent visit to the border, and he went there saying, hey, we don't have any more room in their city, uh, their sanctuary city. What's your analysis of his visit and his statements that he made?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, on the one hand, you sort of, uh, in German, they call it schadenfreude, where you kind of enjoy somebody else's discomfiture, because all of their posing and moral preening about how they're a sanctuary city. um, And now they're actually getting just the slightest little taste of what Texas and Arizona have been dealing with. And they're, you know, crying foul. Uh, But, you know, he's right that it's a real burden on New York, which is why the administration needs to be enforcing immigration law. The problem is that the mayor of new york and the other cities that are complaining you know washington and philly and chicago they're not calling on the administration to enforce immigration law they're just saying the federal government needs to give us more money and we need to ship these people to other places Mm -hmm. other than our cities and spread it around um that's not a solution uh on the other hand i think that the administrations, uh, the change that we referred to before about, um you know, people from Cuba and Haiti and what have you, um so, and they're declaring victory after having instituted that policy. I think that was partly brought about by the mayor of New York and others behind the scenes calling the White House and just screaming bloody murder. Um, so, um you know, we'll, I still don't think it's going to make the administration actually change course. What it's going to do is, and what it has done, I think, is kind of light a fire under them to come up with a PR strategy to try to limit the damage politically to them.
2: And we'll see how many more (laughs) busloads they'll be sending up from Texas and the impact that will have. But uh, speaking of New York City, I mean, they've been housing illegal immigrants in in luxury hotel rooms, and there's a problem right now. They don't want to leave. I saw uh, that uh, at the Watson Hotel near Central Park, uh, courtesy of the taxpayers, receiving food, haircuts, transportation, even free laundry service. No wonder they don't want to leave.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, you know, this is why... Uh, the mayor of New York was complaining because it's costing his city so much. It's like, okay, well, do you think it costs less Texas when they have all these people living there or in Arizona? Um, but, yes, uh, the incident you're talking about is a hotel that's it, it's all, they're all single men. Why they were even let in, it's not clear to me. I mean, it's one thing to let in, you know, people who have kids with them. But why single men would be let in at all, I don't understand. But it's all full. It's a luxury hotel. They're putting up single men. They've been trashing the place. It's been just a complete mess. And what the city wants to do is move them to this tent facility it built and use the hotel rooms for people with kids. Not illegal aliens still, but families. And these guys, single men, are basically saying, no, we're going to stay. You can't make us leave. Mm-hmm. One of them complained. They said, that place they're moving us to, it has cots side by side, all you know, crammed in there. That's what they're complaining about. The cots don't have enough space. The beds aren't comfortable. I mean, it's just the ingratitude is unbelievable. On the other hand, when we, I had a boss once who told me, you teach people how to treat you. We are teaching them to feel entitled about benefits that they get rather than insisting on gratitude. And uh, this is hmm. what you get.
2: Let me hit another issue by you as the clock moves quickly. And that is Governor Abbott of Texas just announced a, a new border czar to oversee sec- the you know, border security in Texas. Uh, a newly retired U.S. Border Patrol agent supervisor, Mike Banks. Uh, do you believe that a, an appointment like this is going to have any kind of meaningful impact?
1: Well, I mean, it can't hurt. We'll see. And I mean, it always it depends on, you know, the, the government and the way things are organized and what have you. But it can't hurt to have somebody whose full time job it is to focus on what the state is doing and can do to um, battle this uh, border crisis the president has created. Because there are things Texas has done. They've got their state police arresting people if they're on private, illegal aliens, if they cross on private land on the border and charging them with trespassing because they're not allowed to arrest people for immigration violations. So these things they're doing, and it would, I think it probably would help to have, you know, this guy's a Border Patrol agent and um, he's, you know, got a long law enforcement uh, history to not just kind of light a fire under everybody and, uh, you know, basically be the squeaky wheel on immigration, but also come up maybe with uh, you know things that they had that people hadn't thought of yet that the state could get away with doing um, that it isn't doing yet. There's, so anyway, the answer is you know I have high hopes. I have no idea. I don't know the person. I know nothing about him. And I don't he may fall flat on his face. But it's it's a, I think it's a good idea because this is such a problem that Texas is dealing with, and there are some things they can do. The flip side is. There are a lot of people who are concerned about border security who are, um, you know, complaining that Governor Abbott isn't doing enough. You know, he's not, uh, he's not deporting them himself. He's not whatever. The states are limited in what they're allowed to do. If Texas state police actually tried to deport somebody, in other words, they were pushing them back over the border into Mexico or something, they could be arrested by the feds and tried. So, um, you know, the governor there, is trying to do trying to see how much he can push the envelope, what things he can get away with, and having this Texas border czar is hopefully a way to uh you know move further in that direction.
2: Friends, our phone number to cross talk today, eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine. That's one-eight hundred-seven three three nine eight two nine. Uh, taking your questions today or brief comments, one eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine. 733 9829 Mark, much of the attention has been on our southwest border, and uh, rightly so, but U.S. Customs and, and Border Protection are recording a staggering 743% year-over-year increase in illegal border crossings from Canada at the Swanton sector that spans New York, Vermont, and New Hampshire between October and December 2022. I'm Confident, you got concerns there as well.
1: Of course, yeah. I mean, the numbers are much lower. That's why you can have that kind of huge percentage increase. Mm-hmm. But um, the fact is that if the border patrol is overwhelmed on the southern border, which is the main area where of its activity, they end up having to strip people from the northern border to, you know, to help out to backstop all of the people in the southern border who are dealing with these massive groups of aliens who cross over all at once, you know, one, two, 300 people. Border patrol has to basically strip the line. Nobody's patrolling the border to process these people and, you know, going to go in Walmart and get diapers and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's not the way you should be running a railroad. And what that means is the northern border is less protected. But also, the invitation that President Biden effectively put out the illegal immigration for around the world during his campaign and his actions also is heard by people who can get into canada legally and then they come and cross the place you mentioned northern new york and vermont the interstate is there and so actually and then takes you straight to new york city so that's like the preferred place to cross and there's no water stopping though i've been up there we did a border tour up there Mm -hmm. once so, for instance, I was at a detention center years ago when they, it's been closed since um, in Pennsylvania. And there were people, the people there had crossed the northern border. There were a lot of Romanian gypsies, for instance, who somehow or another, I don't know, EU citizens got into Canada. And then, you know, they just uh, hop over the border. There's, there's no fencing. The Canadian border is, um, and, you know, it's not practical, really, to fence it. Uh the, there are places there where the border literally is a line of flower pots, um, you know, marking the where the border is. Or there's yeah. another place is a gate that says, you know, stop. Uh, <laughs> um, U.S. border, you know, submit yourselves well, to inspection well, at the nearest border. That yeah. kind of thing. So anybody can walk across. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't even have to climb over anything. You just walk. So, um, so yes, the northern border is also going to be a problem. Because when you're inviting illegal immigrants in, people are going to come any way possible.
2: We've got packed lines here. Monica McAllen, Texas, you're on the air. Hello, Monica. Hi, Hi there.
0: Hi. Uh, yes, uh, I was south of, my name is Monica, and I was south of the border two weeks ago on a missionary trip. And um, there was a revelation that I got, and I realized that I have to believe that some of these people have are probably regretting their decision to come in the first place but have no way to get home. And just a suggestion, a thought, is that uh, having some kind of a humanitarian aircraft to take people back home, they're stuck. So if they wanted to go back and maybe incentivize them uh, with something, Um, But I am I'm very certain that there's a lot of people that were lied to and and may be ready to go home, but they have no option.
2: Okay, thank you. We're up against a break. I'm going to have our guests address that issue following it. Thank you for the call. We'll be right back. This is Crosstalk.
4: For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Last week on my radio show, I did a monologue in which I took the founding fathers and early presidents of the United States on a tour of Washington, D.C. They were stunned at all the humongous buildings. They asked, what are these buildings for? Who works in these buildings? I explained to them the Department of Education. They were stunned that we had turned the education of our children over to a central government that today includes cultural Marxism and LGBTQI agenda. They were stunned. Then I showed them the Eternal Revenue Service. They couldn't believe we had a standing IRS that taxed people, well, during a time of non-war. And that it was based on a progressive system that penalized workers and achievers. They were further shocked by HUD, Housing and Urban Development, to think that the bounds of government had gone to private housing in the states. They wondered why the states had not rebelled and instituted their 10th Amendment vigorously. They were appalled at what Washington had become and the people being enslaved. I'm Brandon House.
2: So the website for our guest today, CIS.org, that's Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. We had Monica that called, and uh, from McAllen, Texas, Mark, and uh, she said uh, some of these people realize they get here, they made a mistake, they want to get back. Is there some humanitarian way that we can get them back home again or back, you know, to their country of origin or, or what can be done there? Your thoughts.
1: Sure. There are suggestions people have made about that. Uh, I'm even happy to pay for it. The issue is how do you make sure this isn't just the taxpayer paying for people to go home and then they come back again? So you need to take fingerprints, the whole thing and they would need to sign a paper that said, if we return and are arrested crossing the border illegally, we forfeit any rights to hearings and uh, preemptively plead guilty to a felony. In other words, make clear that you're going home, we're paying for it, but if you ever come back, you're going to jail, real jail, not immigration detention. Under those conditions, yeah, I'd be all for it. Mm-hmm.
2: John in South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you're on the air.
1: Hello, thank you. Why is it when millions go through Texas. It's not the end of the world, but one or two busloads end up in New York City or at Harris's house or on Cape Cod. It's the end of the world. My question, why do we have laws, and when did welfare go to entitlement for people who shouldn't be here in the first place? Thank you all. Listen for your answer on the air. Thank you again. Thank you, John. Yeah, I think the um, the complaints by the mayor of New York And, I mean, when you put all of the immigrants, the illegal aliens that have been bused to those cities by Texas, and Arizona did some busing, and the city of El Paso did some, too, if you put all of those people together who have gone to all of those cities, not just New York, but Chicago and Philly and Washington, it's like two days' worth of illegal immigration in Texas, maybe three days at this point. So it really, I mean, the hypocrisy is so glaring that I really think it did make an impression, even on public that doesn't really pay attention to the issue very much, that um, the sentiment that the caller expressed is a lot more widespread and isn't confined just to sort of immigration hawks and Republicans. I think a lot of people are shaking their heads at the hypocrisy of it all.
2: Chris is calling from Hancock, Michigan. Chris, you're on the air.
0: Hi. You know, I've worked all my life, and to hear illegal immigrants coming into this country and getting everything they need is, it, 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 well, it makes me angry, frankly. And five years ago, I was able to see a, a friend become a legal immigrant. I was in attendance at, at the courthouse. And that was something so special. Mm-hmm. So to see all these people crossing and, and then not wanting to leave the hotel. Yeah, I heard about that a few days ago. Well, they don't want to. Well, a lot of people work hard, and these, <laughs> the illegal immigrants have no right to be here. They need to go. Nobody talks about the problems they're suffering from, too. I, you know, the trafficking of people, the kids, um, the dead bodies in fields. Nobody's talking about that. You will not hear this on mainstream. It's just so, it's one of so many issues I think people are getting overwhelmed to watch it on a daily basis, and these so-called sanctuary cities, go ahead, have them, have them. And it's not, of course, I, I feel for these people, but they do not know what they're getting into, if they think they're coming to an America that's going to be like the America we have known all our lives, they're wrong. Absolutely wrong. So thank you, and thank you, gentlemen, both for what you're doing, and everybody just pray.
2: Thank you for the call here, Chris. Any comments there, Mark?
1: Yeah, I think she made a good point about legal immigrants are often the people who are getting the shaft because of this. If mm-hmm. They follow the rules, cost a lot of money to go through all the rigmarole and the red tape, and there should be less of it, but that's the way it is. Whatever It is what it is. And legal immigrants follow the rules. And then illegal aliens just kind of swan in across the border and are let go. And it is galling. Um, I've been I've actually given the speech at citizenship swearing-in ceremonies like half a dozen times. So a few years ago, I did it at Mount Vernon on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. I gave the speech at the um, swearing-in ceremony for people who would become citizens. And, you know, that's a good thing. Immigrants come here legally. Uh, I think that we need to change those rules, but the, whoever came according to the rules um, and they become citizens, we should be welcoming them. But it's in their interest, as well as everyone else's, that we enforce the rules so the people who follow the rules aren't basically being taken advantage of.
2: Our next caller is from River Falls. Zach, here on the air.
1: Hi. Uh, so uh, with our borders open and, uh, and our purposeful surrender, of our military in Afghanistan the summer of 21 um, and bringing those refugees over, can't this be somewhat considered as uh camouflage human trafficking? Well, I mean, uh, the, there's no question that human, that the Biden policies are promoting human trafficking. Now, you know, the Biden administration, they're not monsters. They're normal people. They just are completely wrong about stuff. But, the policy that Biden is allowing at the border is fueling human trafficking. Last month, January, was human, National Human Trafficking Awareness Month. I think that's what it was called. We did a podcast on it, in fact. I think our uh, podcast from last week was on that. And remember, trafficking is different from smuggling. Smuggling is where you're voluntarily paying somebody to bring you here. Trafficking is where you're tricked or coerced you know, into sex slavery or regular employment forced employment. But with this massive flow of people, what ends up happening is lots of people think they're coming voluntarily and they end up falling. They end up being trafficked. They're, you know, forced to work on a farm in a brothel. Uh, They have to pay off their smuggling fees. And if they don't, they'll, you know, chop their fingers off or whatever it is. I mean, it's just these guys are uh, these smugglers and our traffickers are really are monsters. Um, so, so yeah, if you want to limit human trafficking, you have to enforce immigration laws. And when you don't enforce immigration laws, you get a lot more human trafficking.
2: Thank you for the call. We're going to try and squeeze one last call in. Greg in Tucson, uh, we've only got like 30 seconds. Greg, go ahead.
0: All right. In the Bible, Caleb said it well. Their defense is departed from them.
1: We have no defense. We are godless, and they're just coming across the border. And the other thing is, my wife, I brought it, my wife in, is an immigrant, and she had to sign papers that she wasn't a Nazi or a communist. Hmm. Those papers should also include forms that say you're not a true blue Muslim, because Islam and the U.S. Constitution are like oil and water.
2: Greg, I'm going to have to stop you there. Our theme is starting to play. A quick comment here, Mark.
1: Well, I mean, the idea of keeping out people who hate America is a good idea. Hard to do. But you can ask them, you know, it's easy if you belong to the Communist Party, then you're out. You belong to the Nazi Party, you don't get to come in. Islam, it's a little harder. Well, most Muslims are just ordinary people, but you can do things like, do you believe that it's legitimate to overthrow the government if it's hmm. not Islamic? And if the answer is there, yes, well, then you don't get to come in. And it's a, a hard thing to do, but it is an important objective.
2: And that is uh, indeed a tenet of Islam. Thank you, Greg, for the call. Thank you, Mark, for being with us
1: today. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Take Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin 53208, or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.